Mentors. The Mentors. This is Sergey and Vadim, and this is a podcast where we interview founders who have succeeded despite having no experience to try to understand how they overcame obstacles that every entrepreneur faces in the critical early days. Today, we have a really hot company, <laughs> Silly Chili Hot Sauce. That's sillychilihotsauce.com, founded by... Sophia Hussain. Sophia Hussain, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, guys. So this, we're really excited about this episode. Uh, this hot sauce was launched, what, what year did you launch it? I pre-launched it in 2016, but I got really serious into it 2017. 2017, we're sitting here in April 2018, so relatively new and fresh company, and Sophia has been able to accomplish a lot. This is a 100% handmade, organic, gluten-free, vegan, that's right, we're taking care of the vegans and the non-vegans and the <laughs> carnivores and the non-carnivores alike. Uh, you can put sauce. it on meat, I think, and yes, also vegetables. Can. It goes anywhere. 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 That works. Literally. Uh, after launching this hot sauce, she is now in over 45 stores. If you're in New York City, you can find her in Chelsea Market. Find the hot sauce, I should say. Or maybe you'll be there as well, Sophia. <laughs> uh, also, Garden of Eden. Uh, you recently partnered with a massive distributor, third largest distributor, actually, WB Mason. And now, fairly recently, I believe, you are WeWork's official hot sauce supplier. Which is amazing considering you just started the company relatively recently. So that's, that's a lot of traction in a fairly short period of time. But I know the story, as these things often are, is a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, you were actually, you actually had a great job in, uh, in fashion world. You were working at The Gap, mm-hmm. uh, at the corporate side of things, mm-hmm. and had a nice six-figure salary, mm-hmm. which many people dream of, yet you decided you wanted to be an entrepreneur. So can you tell us about how you set yourself up to be able to start your own company while still working full-time? Sure. Uh, just to give you guys a little bit of my educational background, I went to FIT. I have three degrees, uh, all related to fashion. That being said, I have absolutely no experience in food industry, so I'm still learning. Um So uh, while I was working for Gap in merchandising, I knew that I wanted to start start my own business, something related to fashion, because that's all I know. I know the trend, where things go, how to sell, all those stuff. So I was developing my jewelry brand. It's called Sophia Hussein, my name. Um, And I did the trademark, all the stuff. I developed beautiful, beautiful collection, and I launched while I was doing that, I was learning how to make hot sauce on the side, which when I was learning at that time, I didn't know it's going to become my profession. So um, it was more of a hobby than at the time. You're trying to launch totally. a jewelry business while making hot sauce yes, on the side. Okay. Totally. It was like, oh, I'm j- I just woke up one day. I was like, I'm going to learn how to make hot sauce. So mm-hmm. I went to the farmer's market, bought a lot of hot peppers. So I brought them home and just started making, uh, started watching YouTube videos and started making. And it was horrible, horrible the first three <laughs> months. Disgusting. Like I, I made it and I poured it out and I made it and I poured it out. Did you make other people taste test it or you just subjected Absolutely yourself Absolutely I to- did. I had <laughs> my first guinea pig, I call her, <laughs> my roommate at that time. And she was able to taste spicy food so i wasn't able to taste it because it was so hot even for myself uh but i made her try it all the time 
Interesting. So you're doing this, uh, making your own hot sauce on the side. At what point did it feel like, hey, you know what? I'm enjoying spending my time on this. Maybe I'll invest a little bit more of my free time. Sure. So after three months of a lot of trial and error, like I was getting a little bit better. Um, Something I learned, like while I was, you know, working on the recipe or learning is like, I started making hot sauce, making it so spicy, but I couldn't even taste it myself. Then, then one day I was like, wait a minute, why don't I make it mild and add the spicy pepper as I go? So there was a huge life lesson for me at that time is like bottom up, mm. right? Like you start from bottom, mild, whatever you're doing, it's like, then you add your flavor, in life and then as you learn as you learn Mm -hmm. and you take the next step you take the next i'm not like no i'm just gonna be up there and i can't even taste it (laughs) now at this point in time what was happening with the the jewelry business that you started so when i was doing that i was also developing my jewelry collection because to develop product or collection it takes long time Mm -hmm. like first you do the nail the design and then you have to pick your uh whatever product like the quality of metal what we are doing silver gold what design and developing it it goes sometimes it goes right sometimes it doesn't go right the measurement so it took some time almost like seven months um and then i was supposed to launch it in 2017 but in the meantime my hot sauce coming back to that I used to push my coworkers at Gap to try my sauce. <laughs> and like, I would be like, I'll pay you to try my sauce. Just try it. Because <laughs> I would end up with so many jars. I'm like, someone take it. <laughs> so after a few weeks or a couple of months, one of the coworkers wanted to purchase. It was like, okay, uh, I really like your sauce. I'll buy. How much is it? I'm like, I was like, wait, <laughs> you want to pay me for what I make? Like... That was like my first sale of something I made with my hands. That feeling will never go away. It's like, whoa. That's an incredible moment, I think, for, for any <laughs> entrepreneur when someone you know buys into whatever ridiculous notion that you're working on and decides. Yeah. Because it's just as hard to make literally a dollar from somebody as it is to close a deal for $10,000. So people... That's just how they think about money. There's value. There's real value associated with it. And to part with any amount of money is really hard. So that's probably the best form of validation while you're working on this is, wow, okay, this person is proactively asking me. I was ready to pay her to try the sauce, and here she is asking me if she can pay. So did you think at all before this point, before this person offered to buy this product or this hot sauce? Did you did you think of it as a business at all at, the, never, at that point? Never. I, I even... Even at that time, I had no business vision for this sauce because you have to understand, like, since, like, my education, my entire background is in fashion. Like, I knew nothing about food, like, so. So so then what, so you had uh, this jewelry line that you created at that point. Mm -hmm. Why, and, and fashion was your passion at least leading up until that oh, point rhymer i like to rhyme um you enjoyed fashion up until that point why not continue working on the jewelry business sort of what was the shift for you so one of the biggest shift was like i kind of took a step back 
and looked at how I felt at that moment, like my passion, like what I was really enjoying doing, you know, while I was doing both at the same time, like working on two projects at the same time. Um, I felt that with fashion, I lost purpose. Mm. Like, I felt that I'm actually not making any, like, changes with my product or even working for a fashion company. I'm totally not. Like, I'm making a lot of money, but I'm not really making any uh, changes in the society. While I was working with the farmers to get my stuff, and listening to them, their stories, their struggle, and and I all then I had this urge inside me, this rage. I'm like, I want to do something for these people. Like I want, I want to be the bridge. Like what can I do? So that motivation, that was like my first motivation. Like like that kind of tri- triggered me. Mm-hmm. Like pulled me. Like whoa, that feeling is so strong. You know. Um, so that was it, you know, that was it. Having something intrinsically that pushes you like that and that motivation I think is huge because as any entrepreneur or anybody that's tried and maybe even failed to, to do something entrepreneurial finds out is you will hit hardships pretty quickly. And if you don't have that internal motivator, that bigger picture that, for example, for you desire to have an impact that you only found out by talking to these farmers and mm-hmm. going through that experience, you will give up. I mean, you're very likely to give up. So having that motivation is, is incredibly important. Well, and another thing, too, is that if you're going to have a business, you have to remember that someone actually has to make that product and then sell the product. In the beginning, that somebody is going to be you. So if you hate the process of making it and the process of selling it, you're not going to last very long. And so you found out that you actually enjoyed end-to-end the process. Love is that it. right? Love it. Love it. So when I first started, I used to apply to a bunch of farmer's market and markets, flea markets, and I used to get rejected and are not, they wouldn't even reply to me because I had no social media presence. Um, not even a good website, not even a website, to be honest, like nothing, you know, and but I wanted to because as I was selling on the side to my coworkers, then someone was like, yeah, why don't you just sell it in the market? Because I myself used to go to a lot of flea markets. I'm like, yeah, maybe I can do have this, my hot sauce stand right outside and sell my jars. So the first market I got into was Bushwick Flea. Mm-hmm. And I go there. I still remember it was raining half of the day. And I sit right inside my car. Like, okay, I guess I'll just sit with my jars that I made. <laughs> <laughs> then around like 1130, it, the rain stops. I get out, set up my table. And people started coming for tasting Mm -hmm. and they're like whoa like you know we never thought we would find like a hot sauce tasting here middle of the street like you know Mm -hmm. like they weren't expecting it they thought it was so interesting and i had a nice banner uh all the you know jars open i had like tasting like chips for them to taste with the hot sauce now, did yeah. you did you have to have some sort of food permit to be able to get into one of these markets to be able to sell food to people so you're supposed to but that one they didn't ask me that but no. at that time you know like i said like i was just learning as i go but that was my market first market like 
they will they just accepted me so mm-hmm. i did it but after that i had to get everything like all the license um uh you know get my company incorporated, uh, get food license. What did yeah. it cost you to, to get incorporated and get all the licenses that you needed to actually sell? Um, I would say like a few thousand dollars mm-hmm. altogether because I signed up for um, Commercial Kitchen mm-hmm. in New Jersey. So there was like a $700 deposit. Um, and then the time, the you know, it was, it was like a few thousand dollars mm-hmm. for me. And even, you know, clearly at this point, people are looking for samples. You, you're you selling, you said you, you mentioned you were selling to some coworkers already. Yeah. Uh, even between that, you would, did you go through a sort of process of figuring out the packaging, the labeling, the logo, and the ingredients that you're going to display, and what kind yeah. of jar you're going to use? How'd you figure that out? So the I did the logo, and my logo is, uh, is basically me and then my dog, <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, I asked one of my friends, she does a hand uh, sketch with a Sharpie, and I asked her if she can do this, this, because I can't really draw, but I tell people what I like. Mm. So I designed my own thing. Um, I don't really, even for my logo, branding, anything, I, the, all, everything I like to do, I just get help to do the technical stuff, because it's very personal to me, mm-hmm. you know? It's like my story, and I want to feel uh, close to it. So at that time, yeah, I had a logo, but I didn't have like the proper, proper thing. Now that I look back, what I was doing at the time, I was doing market t- testing. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was doing. Like, uh, although I didn't have a plan, but that's what I was doing. And I, I'm glad that I was doing that because I was making money while I was doing that. Usually people spend money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what did you learn from the market testing? Start before you're ready. I didn't wait for a perfect label. I didn't even have a perfect label. I didn't have everything because when you're doing food product specifically, people has to like how it tastes. Like people has to like it. They have to taste it and you need their feedback, right? So when I first started, I didn't have, I had like nine recipes, then I streamlined to six, then three. Like I didn't know what I was doing, but with everyone's help, like strangers, like they gave me feedback. And then I looked at what I sold the most. And I, I always listened to people. So I was doing all this time like market testing, but I was selling it at the same time. I love that. Start before you're ready. In in tech, people talk about iterating or building your minimum viable product. This is essentially what you did is you built a minimum viable product. In other words, hot sauce that didn't taste completely awful uh, that your coworkers were then willing to, to buy, even give you money for. You then went to farmer's markets and you tested with a larger pool of people. You said yourself, you started with nine ingredients, right? And mm-hmm. you kind of, you, you pared it down. And all this time, it does take an investment of time. And this is going back to motivation and being interested in what you're actually doing you have to keep through it keep on going through it if you want to truly create value that somebody else will then want to hand you over money for so then at at what point did you decide to leave your full-time job that you felt like you know there's a chance that this could be a self-sustaining business so i left my job uh in 2017 and before that i did bunch of i started doing markets then like you know 
few times a week. Market stands? Yeah, market stands, like flea markets, farmer's market. Mm -hmm. And the feedback I was getting was incredible. Mm. People were just loving what I made, you know? And getting that feedback, and I felt what I felt. You know, I felt like this is it. This is my calling. And the fact that I was working with the farmers and I was like, wow, like if I grow this, I grow them, you know, like we walk together. We like power, empower each other to get like together. We do this. And um, although I was financially was dry because I spent huge amount of money on developing my jewelry collection um everything i earned like you know it's it's quite expensive to develop everything in new york city uh and the materials and labor costs and everything um photo shoots all of that but i felt so passionate like to run with silly chili i was like this is my calling like if i have to compromise five other things from my life which i did actually like i come i flipped my lifestyle upside down the last two years like cut down like social life because i couldn't afford it um because i was investing into my you know company and no happy hours because I needed the rest because I was working seven I still work seven days a week but you know like I need the sleep at night and then get up in the morning and run these are the the type of sacrifices often that you do need to make uh, in order to succeed but for you there was extra motivation not only because you were doing what you loved but you know, a lot of times in entrepreneurship, there's this uh, kind of concept of push versus pull. So um, most of the time it's push where you kind of have to push yourself and your product on other people uh, to succeed. And that'll, that'll never cease. But when you start experiencing pull, when other people really want your product, when they're willing to give you money for it, and all these different indicators that you were seeing in your business, a lot of times that alone, hopefully a certain percentage of the entrepreneurial experience is experiencing these pulls, is enough to get you through those difficult times and, in your case, to motivate you to completely flip your lifestyle around, uh, which is amazing. And so now time to continue with your story because it's so spectacular. And we mentioned in the beginning that you got into a bunch of stores. You know, What was kind of the shift from getting into markets, testing in these markets, and mm-hmm. then deciding, okay, you know what? I want to be on the shelves of actual retail stores. And then getting into those retail stores because that's <laughs> obviously not easy to do, right? No, it's not, especially in New York City, especially in big cities. Super competitive. So the whole summer of 2017, right after I you know, quit my job, I was just doing markets and markets. Signed up for any markets I could get in, uh, any events I could get in, said yes to everything, everything you know and then the winter came and i was like oh damn then i did few winter markets i'm like damn it's so cold outside <laughs> you know that's when i said i need to be inside meaning like my product needs to be inside <laughs> right. so i just then i started hustling to stores i literally walked into stores um pitched my product to the buyers store managers owners um and then one of the thing very crucial is following up 
right? Uh, like follow up and follow up, follow up after follow up. Um, you know, I kind of built my character through that because it was uh, I'm not used to that. I'm like, damn, like this is so annoying. Like mm-hmm. follow up and they're ignoring, but they're not ignoring probably they're how just did you busy. know that how did you know that you should follow up and that they you know so a lot of people they don't follow up because they think that they're being annoying or somebody else somebody's gonna think that they you know who are they to follow up so many times i don't have time for this they're busy mm-hmm. people so did you learn that from somewhere that you know following up is is important oh uh, so i was a production manager for um express before and you know one of the thing was uh follow up and the vendors also followed up with us, you know, but at a bigger scale. But then I realized uh, the with the store buyers, and of course I was talking to my other friends, the market friends who were already in the stores, and I kind of asked their best practices. Like, what do they do? Because I still, I wasn't confident in, you know what I mean? Like, when I first started pitching, it's kind of intimidating. Like, people are not really nice to us. Uh, uh, a lot of the times they're very rude actually but uh it just i just build like a very thick skin you know? and, and so how many stores did you have to approve approach and how many times did you have to follow up in order to get to your first uh, store that you were able to distribute through so at first i would just walk into whatever stores but uh, i have to say i want to mention um this company called brooklyn whatever and uh, the owner of this company her name is rachel so she i met her at a market and i kind of kept in touch with her and i asked her if she could be my mentor and then i went to meet up with her she she kind of um helped me mean uh, helped me in a way like she said okay go to well-known stores stores that uh, a lot of people goes to like famous stores like uh, Chelsea Market Basket, millions of people walk through those market. Go to Brooklyn Cheese or Stinky Cheese, that store in Brooklyn. Like, go to stores that are like people, bloggers, food bloggers, editors, they go there frequently. So you want to be in like a good store versus a lot of stores. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was like one of the good feedback or um, she gave me. So I kind of followed that. Yeah. Interesting. So first of all, uh, quality over quantity is what you learned from her. But what I love about in, in several kind of parts of your story, you nothing really happens in a vacuum. And lots of times we do need help from other people. In this case, mm-hmm. you approached her and actually asked her to be a mentor. And other mm-hmm. people might be thinking like, well, how did you know to, to ask her? But I'm sure to you it was intrinsic. She was knowledgeable about certain things that you yeah. wanted to learn more about. You guys established this relationship, I'm sure, after your first meeting, and then it kind of organically progressed from there. And then in the beginning, you also said you got help from designers, you got help from marketer friends. Go to people in your network uh, that that just know things about very specific things because any entrepreneur can't know everything. No. It's impossible. There is no way. And one of the things I did was I met tons of people when I was doing the markets. I met like, hundreds of other makers not necessarily in food industry but you know every industry you can think of and these are like handmade makers from new york city and new jersey so i kind of started building my relationship with them and i have the tendency of helping people 
even if they're a hot sauce company. And I feel like I there are space for everyone in this world. So <laughs> uh, even if I'm gonna sell less, two bottle less, it's fine with me, dude. Like it's okay, chill, everyone chill. <laughs> <laughs> so with that energy, I realize now that my network is so big, and uh, you know, kind of like when you give good energy, it, re- it recycles back. So kind of, I'm building my tribe. But at first, like, you know, I kept very good relationship with the people, was very friendly. I would like, even the market, I know it's when you're in the booth, you don't get to, if you're alone, you don't get to go to the bathroom on time or get water or food. I would like, if I, you know, I would just offer little, little things. I have this extra bottle of water. Do you want? So now we're like, all of us are such good friends. But yeah, like keep talking to, build your tribe. That's what I'm saying. Like, I had to recycle a lot of my friends because they had no understanding of what I was doing. Yeah, and they say, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so in your case, you wanted to spend more time with the types of people that you could learn from. If they weren't in your network already, you went out and, like you said, built your tribe. But you didn't treat it as just transactional uh, opportunities to meet people and what can they do for me. You offered value in return. And that's why you feel like it's such a tight-knit group that you're now part of, I, I, I bet. Yeah. Your mentor gave you great advice that you should go into locations that have a lot of foot traffic that are already popular. So Chelsea Market, for example, how did you get in there? Did you just go into Chelsea Market and ask to speak to the manager? How do you do that? So there is a great story behind Chelsea Market and the owner. I One of the market, I met um, Karen. Like She's one of the food writer in New York City, and she also runs her own blog. And I met her, she, you know, liked my stuff. Then, you know, as usual, I kept in touch with her. And, you know, I used to ask around, like, do you know any owners of stores? Because, you know, I'm hungry. Like, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm hungry. I need to be inside of stores, you know? And then she mentioned, oh, yeah, you know, Sophia, I, one of my neighbor is uh, the owner of Chelsea Market Basket, David. I'm like, oh my God, that store, oh, that would be so awesome if, if, if you can connect me with him. So, and David is one of the busiest men, right? He's one of the owner, he's one of the busiest men. So I went, I first I sent an email, I never got a reply back, which is normal. Then I went, uh, dropped off samples. So then every week I was just following up. Then I went again. Then we made an appointment. He couldn't see me. He was busy. Or he was like walking around and I was like walking right behind him. (laughs) You know, I was like, wait, look, look, this is what I make, you know, like, (laughs) like that. Um, It was just funny. And at the actual market, you would go and find where he is and try to Mm -hmm. leave samples with him. Yeah. I I stalked him. I stalked people, (laughs) by the way. Some light stalking never hurt anybody. Now Sophia knows where we live, so uh, you can stalk us anytime. No, I I, I stalk buyers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can't help you there, but we will try your hot sauce. Cool. Um, Yeah, so I... uh, after three months, a lot of follow-up, a lot of hustle. I really wanted to get into the store. I was like, I will get into the store no matter what. So, but it was frustrating at first. 
But one day, after three months, David calls me, leaves me a message like, oh, Sophia, we tried your hot sauce and we liked it. We would like to place an order. Wow. That was like, holy cow. It's this happening because, you know, you have to understand at that time, it was like a big deal for me. That's and a big deal at any time. <laughs> Did you cry? I think I cried a little bit. I shed a tear. And then that made me so happy. Anyway, so now David has a big impact in my life. Now, after being in the store for a year and a half, we built a relationship. David knows how much work I do, like the hard work I put behind it in terms of like I do uh, the delivery, I make it, I do everything and then we he has been seeing me even his employees so he once had me give a speech to his employees and then um, last year I want to say this I'm so grateful for this person Um, I needed space in a warehouse and I didn't have I don't you know I didn't have the fund to rent a space before my production so he gave me space in his warehouse to keep my bottles. Uh, He didn't charge me. And he has like 10,000 square foot uh, warehouse in Jersey City. So he gave me some extra stuff that he doesn't need. And he said, here you go. Wow. David sounds like the kind of entrepreneur that gives back. But you had to fight to get his attention because a lot of people want his attention, both in the business that he's doing day to day and new people that want to get in. I'm curious, how, how much was that first order for? Because I think our listeners are going to be curious at uh, Chelsea Market. What, what what was the size of the order that they placed, if you don't mind asking me? Asking. No, no, no. Um, so uh, for 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 me, like when, you know, for, for anyone, actually, we do, they do the buyers, they do one case per flavor. Mm -hmm. which is it could be depending on how many uh, bottles or uh, items you have uh, because in those high traffic stores they don't have that much they have a lot of stuff in the store but they don't have a lot of storage Mm, i see yeah so don't expect you know unless you have distributor because they buy um cases after cases that they buy by pallet Mm. you know which is like thousands of bottles but when you are getting into stores it's like by case yeah so you hustled for three months you built a relationship with david you proved yourself to him and then he ended up helping you in ways that you obviously couldn't even imagine which is incredible and by the way this is the value of building your network and building solid relationships is you have Absolutely. no idea you cannot predict how somebody it's like that the relationship help you. guys like yeah. i didn't i will tell you this i didn't since the day i started till december of 2017 i didn't care for a quick dollar i care for building my relationship because i walk in with no experience whatsoever so i had to be extra humble while i was hardcore hustling but extra humble and really have patience and like i focus on building relationship yeah. I love that, and uh, and I'm so glad that you're mentioning that because I think that's one of the biggest things that you need to be able to do as an entrepreneur, which you clearly did. That's why you have experienced some success already. I'm confident that's why you're going to continue to succeed. So the last story we want to hear, I think, our audience as well is WB Mason, third largest distributor. <laughs> How the heck did you get into that? How did you hustle your way into that? Oh, one, my Sophia? God. That's another story. So <laughs> since last year's summer, 2017 summer, my goal was to become official supplier of WeWork. 
Mm. I myself is a WeWork member and I love who they are, how they are, how they operate, everything about WeWork because WeWork itself, being in WeWork itself is like the entrepreneur hub, like like so many it's like a huge network and and the mindset of it is so relaxed you know so i love them and i'm like my product just belongs here you know you vision it mm-hmm. i vision a lot of things so i was like first i vision i'm like then i run after it like my product is like for this company so i um approached to one of the community manager, Gabby, Gabriel, and then she loved my stuff. And then I did a um, tasting event, you know, just set up something during lunchtime. The members came in, you know, with their lunch or I had, I always have chips to try my hot sauce with. So they try and then she, she really loved it and loved like what I do, you know, it's not like a flashy brand, you know, like it's like a one woman show. (laughs) And then she recommended me to all the community managers and, uh, then they just wanted a hot sauce tasting at all the location. So for then I spent months to go around to do tasting to all the locations. Wow. Yes. So what was that? Okay, so that was my <clears throat> doing another market test that how the members react to my product as I was selling it on the spot. So, um, and I became like very favorite person of WeWork, you know? And then I got in, started pitching to the like the buyer community managers for each location. Then I got a, got probably like 19, 20 accounts mm-hmm. How by many locations myself. did you have to do the tastings in? Over 40. Okay. So that's, so WeWork is a big deal for those of you that don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a global company now, but just in New York, they have over 40 locations with, I'm sure, locations. hundreds if not yeah. thousands of members. So it's pretty big as far as it's visibility. Big. It's like a, a, it's like $20 billion company right now. Uh, the fastest growing uh, real estate and cork in space. Yeah. Yeah. So you got distribution in 20 locations, you said? The 20 location I opened myself by myself. Mm. Like they used to order from me and I would deliver it through them. But the HQ, we were HQ featured me uh, and then they invited me with my sauce and they had a whole spread. They ordered tons of food and drinks and all the HQ had a party like around my sauce and then after that i was like uh hey because it it takes a lot of time because i I wasn't sure who to go to uh to pitch my product at the hq level you know and it took time but uh then they their distributor is wb mason Mm. um so i you know i said i'll work with whoever you work with you know and they after listening to all the community managers in and the members uh, feedback about my product and uh, of course they also love it and so they connect me with WB Mason I send samples to WB Mason they love it and yeah I did my first delivery big delivery and yeah 
How many pallets? You said you mentioned you, know, you mentioned it's in terms of pallets now, not cases. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were ready to receive to to fill an order of a ton of pallets. So the first order is not as uh, it's it was big, the biggest one I did so far mm-hmm. since I started. But um, as we go, because now we are focusing on feeding WeWork, but you know uh, WB Mason, they have seventy five person. <laughs> of the company you know in mm-hmm. the usa so as i go um i they will be you know i'll be pitched to other companies so sky should be the limit as you level <laughs> up you, you get more and more opportunities again yes. that you couldn't predict but that's what happens when you uh get into more places and kind of move forward silly chili hot sauce this is an awesome conversation a ton of value for our audience and we're going to get a little silly chili right now. <laughs> I want to try your hottest hot sauce. I want to destroy my taste buds after this interview. Well, and, and some big takeaways, major takeaways for, I think, why Sophia was successful and it remains and continues to be successful. I think the sky is the limit for this business is number one is that you listen to yourself uh, and you figured out what it is that you want to do and how can you add mm-hmm. value in this world while also at some point. Uh, experiencing profit, which I, I know you will, and and I'm sure you're already starting to see some of that. Uh, and the the second thing is networking. It sounds simple, but you didn't just say, "Oh, I'm going to network." Mm-hmm. You build relationships by having other people observe how you work and seeing how hardworking you are. If people don't get a chance to observe that, mm-hmm. um, you're never going to build a strong bond with them. And I think that's part of the reason why you're mm-hmm. able to continue to leverage those relationships to grow silly chili hot sauce. Thank you, Sophia Hussein, so much for coming. And uh, we're excited to have a bunch of hot sauce. (laughs) Let's get silly. (laughs) Thank you, guys.